welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined this afternoon by uh, one of my comrades who's involved in PSL, TPR, aka uh, the People's Revolution, Party for Socialism and Liberation. Uh, they uh, are an illustrator, uh, comic artist, uh, in addition to their community activism, and uh, I'm excited to talk to them a little bit about uh, what they do and why they do it. And how they're making sense of the world right now. So, uh, Hayden, thank you very much for joining me today. Howdy. I'm really excited to be chatting with you. Absolutely. How are you doing today? Um, you know, uh, when you're kind of flip-flopping between a bunch of different stuff, uh, tired, but you're awake, uh, I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Uh, are you a coffee drinker? Yes, I, I need my coffee. I need my coffee and then I usually have Mountain Dew, so. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, which flavor Mountain Dew are you going with today? Voltage. Voltage is the best one. <laughs> this is not sponsored by Mountain Dew. I am not sponsored by Mountain Dew. <laughs> Voltage reminds me of going to the Quick Mart after... Uh, after like eighth grade after school um we would go to my friend's house who he lived like right next door to the school and we would go to the quick mart and get like a bunch of junk food so like sour punch straws mountain dew voltage and the hot fries um classic uh middle school meal there yeah i i never really had like soda growing up and when i did it was always at like like my uncle's house, who is a lot more well off than the rest of my family, um, and he was always a big gamer. So it's it's my it's my gamer fuel now. So. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it it does have that effect. I noticed that Mountain Dew and gaming go kind of hand in hand. <laughs> so that's that's nice. Um, yeah, uh, Hayden, what we talk about on Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity, and so. Um, yeah, we've been comrades for almost a year now. Uh, I remember we met at the beginning of the summer. Um, I think the first time we ever, like, first time I think I ever met you was that uh, event that was uh, Get MPD Out of MPS. Um, you remember that? There were so many. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, unfortunately, I, <laughs> I don't off the top of my head. It blends in together. Um, for sure. But so Hayden, where, where we usually kind of start before we talk about everything that's going on uh, right now and uh, what you're up to, uh, usually start with the simple question of, uh, so where, uh, where did you grow up? Um, I mean, I've been around Milwaukee for pretty much my entire life. Um, I was born in South Milwaukee um, and lived there for till I was about like eight or nine. Um, and then my parents moved to Oak Creek and I've pretty much been in Oak Creek ever since. Um, and my, my, like my grandma, um, lived in a, a apartment building downtown. So we used to stay with her a lot. Um, so I, I'm, I'm familiar with, with Milwaukee, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know you, uh, you went to Myad, you're a graduate of Myad. Um, tell me a little bit about like, um, growing up like when you were a kid like um were you 
were you an artist from like a young age would you say yeah I, I'd say so I uh I spent a lot of time alone <laughs> so I yeah. think I, I, I channeled a lot of that into like drawing because I was not good at video games mm. um and my mom was kind of one of those those moms that tried to um, force <laughs> gender roles on, on her kids and it didn't really work so yeah um so i i took up drawing more so and um, creating as a as an outlet yeah um it was like an escapism if you will yeah exactly totally i get that for sure um what i guess like what made you gravitate towards going to my head um more than anything it was the the fact that it was basically the same price for me to go actually it was cheaper for me to go to Maya than it would be to go to a state school which was uh kind of insane to think about um I the the benefit of going to a private school like that was that they had more um financial aid uh money at their disposal so um essentially I begged them and begged them and begged them and told them that I could not go to their school unless they gave me more money, which meant that eventually they were able to give me more to the point that I can, could uh, not rely on my parents and pay for it myself. And that's, that's tight. What did, what did you like study while you were there exactly? Um, so, I mostly studied illustration, but with the way the program works, we studied, we were kind of expected to branch out and try to uh, try a bunch of different things. So um, I did like printmaking there, I did some sculpture there, um, I did a lot of graphic design mixed in with illustration there, which is why, you know, I'm pretty much the design person now in a lot of the groups that I'm in. Yes. Um, and uh, I also minored in writing there. Um, I almost um, tried to go for a, a um, science minor as well. And then I realized how much math was involved and I went, mm, never mind. <laughs> oh yeah, I feel that. That's exactly why I decided not to. I really, I remember like when I was growing up, like I really wanted to be like a weatherman it was around like junior year of high school, I realized, yeah, that's like all math, like that's all mathematical models and math is not my strong suit either. What were like, I guess, your takeaways from the program? Like, did you overall think my was like a positive experience? This is always a really complicated answer. <laughs> yeah, it usually is with folks I've had from my ed where uh, they they always kind of hesitate and have to gather their thoughts before they answer so <laughs> um yeah it's there are definitely ups and downs to it um it's definitely about who you meet there over what you gain from the classes which really sucks um luckily i was able to meet a lot of cool people um, and make a lot of cool connections um, and a lot of people that support me. Um, but on the downside, uh, a lot of the education was lacking. Um, and 
that really frustrated me because I felt like I couldn't get what I needed out of the school. Um, so I actually had to find what I needed like on my own through other means. Um, it was very um, trying to steer young artists towards a very, very specific path versus trying to lay out all the different paths that there could be. Yeah. Yeah, it was like kind of, uh, do you feel kind of put in a box almost? <laughs> you could, de yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. There was uh, maybe one, or, there was a few teachers there that I really clicked with that um, kind of helped um, break down that box, but they were kind of far and few between. Yeah, I hear you. Were you like a comics kid growing up too? I actually wasn't and that's that's the something that I, I'm like kind of always um um what's the word nervous about or or insecure about with mm -hmm. comics is that I didn't grow up on them necessarily so I I was kind of like the oldest kid so I didn't have time for my like or like you know parent my parents didn't want to give me time or give me money for stuff that I wanted to do it was kind of like I had to to take care of my sh my shit on my own you know um so um most mostly I made my own entertainment um and I I didn't really know that there were like comics outside of superheroes mm -hmm. you know um because all I knew was like oh Superman oh Spider-Man I don't really care about those kinds of comics so um one of the, the like books that I read when I was a kid that actually got me into comics was Captain Underpants. <laughs> I loved Captain Underpants. I had like every single one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I, I almost, I was like collecting them because I, I, I thought they were so, I like them. That was kind of what first turned me on to the idea of like sequential art because I always thought they were, they were funny. So yeah. Yeah. That was some cool kid shit for sure. <laughs> yeah. I loved those. Where did you kind of get started with like kind of creating them your own? Did it kind of just sort of naturally like organically branch off from doing the illustration already? Yeah, I've always had like a, 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 a fascination with like telling stories um, mm -hmm. and, you know, seeing things sequentially, I guess. <laughs> Um, so even when I like wasn't drawing, I was always kind of like fantasizing and thinking about stories or writing stuff or, um, so I think that kind of just transpired naturally into comics. Um, even if I wasn't drawing a comic per se, I would like draw something and then draw something that would like kind of come immediately after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, what was your first like uh, comic effort, if you will? Like, what was the first one you you've done? Oh, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, there, there was a lot. There was a lot. Yeah. There is a lot of embarrassing things that I drew. <laughs> hey, trial and error, trial and error. You know, nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> I looked at your website, um, and. Uh, I know you have one that was like, uh, what was it? The um, one about the antagonista. What, what's that one? Oh, um, the lives and deaths of an antagonist. Um, yeah. yeah, so that 
was my my senior thesis for myad um which i look it's only been like two years now and i'm already looking at it like oh i hate this look at all of my mistakes i can do so much better um but you know from there i was gonna take that and then go into a web comic in which case i can like kind of build on it more and hopefully get a wider audience with that but um currently it's on hiatus just because you know I, i'm focusing on um organizing and trying to focus on uh more pressing matters at the moment <laughs> yeah right uh you know the world crumbling apart yeah <laughs> <laughs> kind of bearing down on us you know yeah yeah well uh before we talk about that the last thing i wanted to ask um is like so i noticed that like you know fantasy is a really big thing in your uh like thematically and your illustrations and your comics uh as well as uh you touch on like romance and taboo stuff um i guess like what makes you gravitate towards all that kind of stuff um so I fantasy and like fiction is always a like a safe place to play with these ideas that you can't normally play with um you know and real life sucks like you know we're we, we're both organizers um we know how bad shit is um and kind of dealing with that every day without any kind of escape like it'll kill you literally it'll kill you um so in that way it's my escapism and i guess com compartmentalizing you know all the stuff that um we're fighting against and dealing with every day oh yeah you can say that again um, <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it's uh i definitely like resonate with what you're saying about how like fantasy is such a like um it's a reality slip, you know, like for like what you said, especially with dealing with trauma and dealing with anxiety and dealing with just like, just feeling so alienated by, you know, social structures and society. You need something that's going to help you just kind of create your own pictures that you do feel like you can step inside and feel like part of something um even yeah like even if you have to create that yourself and it's really it's a gift to be able to do that so it's it's cool <laughs> yeah um yeah it's it's kind of a, a funny thing too because you can uh through it you can kind of recreate the anxieties and fear that you actually feel um but you're playing with it in a safe way um so someone that i was close to was kind of like oh it's kind of like like sex like <laughs> when you're doing like kinky stuff like you're doing it because you want the the like fear and you want a, an emotional response but you don't want the danger that goes comes with you know what you're acting out yeah. so that's another big thing too is is that kind of pr practice with with uh like anxiety and fear and danger and stuff like that yeah oh yeah i i get that like because you're you're still in total control you're still writing the rules um and you can always like write something out like cut something out if you don't like it anymore you know so yeah i i like that uh that analogy a lot um are you uh so what are you working on now are you i know that you said you're obviously really focused on organizing but uh 
I guess, what have you been up to lately artistically? Um, I actually just finished a comic, a short comic for an anthology that I got into hmm. um, from Palm Press called Comrade Himbo. That will be, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about, it's all about uh, anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist himbos. Um, so uh, definitely look for that because there will be a Kickstarter coming out soon. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. So my story is about a big old himbo, southern himbo that kicks out two cops for uh, uh, being transphobic. So. <laughs> Yeah, all right. That's you know, this real is the heartwarming story, right? This is the future the left wants. Uh, <laughs> sweet. Um, on your website, you have a store also. Um, so you have stuff available right now. Um, so I'm currently trying to set up uh, a way that I can ship out prints and things like that. Um, obviously, because you know, our mail system is being threatened. <laughs> Um, that makes it very hard for like smaller artists to um, get shit like that done. So it's it's been a little bit of a struggle um, and I've been putting off uh, actually setting up some of this stuff. So I need to get working on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I'll be tagging your uh, website so folks can check it out um, in the meantime. Um, all right, so Hayden, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, being a rad left, as they say. Uh, so, um, so I believe you and I both kind of got involved with like with the PSL, or just just wanted it, wanting to be more um, present at marches and and actions for a similar reason. Where you were also like uh, just very like uh, disaffected by Bernie losing the primary. And you just wanted, you really wanted, you needed some sense of direction politically after that. Um, I guess I'll, I'll leave it, I'll give the floor to you to talk a little bit about what made you really just start wanting to get more involved in community organizing. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I, didn't quite organize, but I definitely participated like in marches and protests and stuff like that when I was in college. Um, but because of time constraints, I wasn't able to get super into it. Um, Cause you know, I was, I was working pretty much all the days I was off. And then anytime I was out of class, I was working on homework, and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, not to, you know, have excuses, but <laughs> that, no, that's, I, you know. yeah, no, I feel that I, it took me a while too, so it's okay. Yeah, um, but then um, COVID hit and that's when everything started to really ramp up. Um, and from there, um, you know, there was George Floyd and all the protests. So started going out more um, because I had the free time finally. Um, I had the time, I had the energy to actually participate and be, um, present. Um, and I started realizing that like protesting is just one side of a multifaceted kind of thing. Um, and it only necessarily did so much. It does a lot, but without uh, some kind of direction, um, 
you can only get so much. So um, that's when I joined in with the PSL. Um, and also with MATU, I got involved with them. Mm. Um, and then it kind of just snowballed from there. <laughs> yeah. You're also doing, aren't you doing the some medic shit too? Um, I'm assisting with them. Um, I'm just trying to help them raise money for it. Um, yeah. I might try to become a medic as if I'm not, you know, yeah. trying to do multi-class enough as is. Yeah, you do um, a lot. You you do a lot. It's self-hatred. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to delve into the psychology of that. <laughs> no, 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 but I, I, I know what you mean. Um, so I don't know, do you, uh, it's up to you. Do you, do you want to talk about like Kenosha and your arrest? Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So you got, uh, yeah, you got arrested in Kenosha. You want to tell us what happened? Um, so I fought off these five cops. Just kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, we were in Kenosha waiting out, um, for another comrade to, um, get released so that they could be escorted to their car and get home safely. Um, and we were just kind of waiting outside, waiting outside. Um, cars were passing, you know, we saw cops and we were like, whatever, we're ignoring them. Um, we were super on edge though, um, obviously. Uh, and uh, closer to nine, 8.39-ish, um, like five, police cars, like, I can't, I think they were unmarked, pulled up, uh, flashed their lights and got out. We we're immediately like, you're under arrest to all of us. Um, and I, they grabbed me and I kind of just fight or flight kicked in. Um, and like at the time I was just trying to, to keep from going down and keep them from cuffing me because I, um, we were apparently told that we could be there um by like the chief of police or something like that um and i didn't want anyone else to get arrested so kind of i was trying to essentially keep the attention on me um and that's when it took one and then they i had two people on me and then i had three guys on me and then finally i was getting carried off by by four or five officers <laughs> um that is some real you were uh you're creating a diversion almost yeah <laughs> was it it was so it was like a curfew violation sort of thing or what okay yeah yeah it was considered a curfew violation i also got hit with a resisting arrest um but oh. yeah yeah um yeah mckenna was trying to help me as well um and i think Lex had to pull her back. Um, you know, we didn't want more people with like more people with charges than we had to. Um, yeah. But yeah, I got arrested. I got pulled behind the the fence. Um, and like one of the scariest things that that happened that kind of like shook me was um, I had my hands zip tied real tight behind my back, and I was still wearing my backpack too, so it was pretty uncomfortable. Um, and he was yelling at, one of the officers was yelling at me to sit down 
and I was saying like, I can't, I can't sit down because like my backpack's on. Um, and he grabs me by the throat and slams me down. Um, and I'm just like sitting there stunned, like what the fuck? And I actually think I said like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, and he goes, why you look so mad? And I'm like, <laughs> what, <laughs> what? Um, it was just, it was just one of those situations that just like fucks with your head, you know? Um, and I, you know, it, it was, it was kind of just one thing after another where it was, um, you know, they took me inside. They were, they kept flip-flopping between being like assholes and being like, oh, like, it's okay. So it was, it was something. Um, and I just, I, I was being kind of a baby and like, I started crying <laughs> at a point because I was, it's funny because like half an hour before this happened, I had texted my mom, like, it's okay. I'm still okay. Um, and all I could think was like, my mom is going to be so fucking worried. Like, she's not going to know where I am. Um, because at the time, I don't think I, we had that com compiled list of like emergency contacts and stuff. Um, so I was, I was mostly just worried about my mom knowing where I was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just think about stuff like that. No, that, that had to be like just absolutely fucking mortifying. Cause it's it, like, I heard from other folks, like, um, like folks that have gotten, that were arrested during. Uh, the Kenosha uprisings that cops down there are just downright like try to humiliate you and then they're so fucking manipulative yeah yeah they are they definitely are um when I was in the jail cell like it was it was like inhumane how people were getting treated it was disturbing to say the least um I it really really like just it was the nail in the coffin where it's like a cab a cab yeah a cab motherfucker and i i will never trust a cop again in my life um just seeing the way that these people were were treating everyone there um and you know it I, all i could think was like jesus fucking christ like i <laughs> like imagine what like what could happen you know uh when talking about police brutality and like what happens to black and brown people all the time and it's like oh. you know i could have been dead because of that if i wasn't white and that's a big reason that we're still fighting this and why all of this passive very um just minuscule reforms and stuff that they're trying to pass if they even do that is just a huge slap in the face yeah um, they're created so like it wouldn't be an inconvenience to be able to backpedal so easily and that's exactly what the biden administration is, has been very comfortable doing in two months already and it's uh it's really disheartening but it's also not surprising and that's you know why we stay out here um but you know like uh being like you being out there in kenosha and also like you know, doing what you could in the moment to like, you know, try to divert a little attention away from other comrades. Like, I mean, unfortunately you took the hit of it, but I mean, that's still very brave of you. 
like to get up there. That's being a fucking comrade, Hayden. So if anyone can't shut the fuck up, it's me. It's fine. So <laughs> right. And then <laughs> see, and then I like telling the part of when <laughs> when I was arrested. Uh, you know, I was I was in there for fourteen hours overnight, um, so I didn't get any sleep. But I made friends in the jail cell. <laughs> oh, good, good. Um, which was fun. Uh, we it, it was basically the party cell. Um, yeah. Apparently, that some of the the officers were referring to it as um, when I was getting my my handprints taken by the FBI lady. <laughs> Um, she was like, what is going on in there? <laughs> um, cause we'd keep, we'd keep like getting up and dancing and singing and we'd keep telling jokes to each other. And like, I think more than anything, we were just trying to keep each other like calm and sane and like, yeah. not letting like, yeah, you guys might have like, you know, beaten us a little bit uh keep keeping us in here you're not letting us see our families or call them you know no masks right you're like you, you guys didn't get masks there was like two or three people that had masks and they were like really thin t-shirt fabric that were oh, cut yeah. out so it wasn't an n95 exactly yeah it wasn't even like a, just a regular like medical mask so nothing yeah. um so yeah, we were just kind of uh, hanging out, <laughs> essentially. And I, I, uh, <laughs> I guess with the help of them, we all we made it into a slumber party, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. yeah. Well, you made the best out of a really horrible, disgusting situation. Um, geez, I can't. Oh God, just thinking about that is. Uh, just really, really upsetting. Um, so then you got out, and then you ended up, you ended up getting the uh, charges dropped, though. So I had I got the the resisting arrest dropped, um, but I had to plead guilty to the curfew violation. Okay. So I ended up paying uh, like eighty something bucks out of pocket for that, um, and it took almost what what did that happen in August? So half a year three-fourths of a year something like that because we're like five months away so it was stupid how long it took for them to to drop it and I, I might you know that even the curfew violation might get dropped eventually so they really definitely they make it hard on you to to deal with those because you know there's the stipulation that you can't get arrested again or break the law again, whatever um, and they don't really say like what will happen if you do, but the idea is that they're not going to be as lenient next time. So, yeah, yeah, uh, they draw it out like intentionally in a lot of, like, I imagine because try to inconvenience you for how long it takes to fight it and like requires a lot of perseverance in that way, where it's like, you really want to like, you know, get the shit off your record you have to wait a really long time yep uh, and it affects everything <laughs> stupid mad stupid mm -hmm. um well i'm just glad you're okay um that you got out that being said uh well 
let's talk about some some something that you know I've I've had some folks from the People's Revolution on the show and PSL and um, you know we talk a lot about just like what we've learned you know just from like a lot of the from the summer of organizing and how the march has continued it it hasn't taken a day off since May twenty eighth of last year um, and so uh, I'm kind of curious like what you have to say about like, what do, what do you feel like revolutionary family means to you? Like, wh- what does that look like to you? Um, so I think it's kind of an evolving concept overall. Um, more than anything, I think it's just having people around you that are um, actively working to change all the time um, and are actively working to be better and never assume that their work is done. Um, And that's just personally. And I think that externally, it means that they're trying to help their community and the people that are close to them as well, Um, both to help them grow as a person and also just uh, within their means as well, or by their physical means, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. everyone has limits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And knowing those limits, but still being able to kind of push at them, you know, yeah, just, just someone that keeps working and keeps never accepts, um, mediocrity essentially. Yeah. I've, I've, I feel like I've learned a lot about that too. Um, where you realize you, you learn really quickly like you you see through a lot of like the performativeness of when it comes like when it comes to like actual like what we um actually consider to be like change it's it's about like tackling the root causes of like where did this oppression come from in the first place and what you boil it down to and just a lot of like liberal solutions just sort of like attack the symptoms rather than like the actual like you know, roots of a lot of these societal plagues. And so that allows us, it allows us to really like be able to analyze like what is performative and what's band-aid on the situation. What are, what are short-term solutions versus the long-term ones that are taking more, take an abolitionist perspective and, uh, and not being satisfied by anything less than that. And, uh, that's one of the biggest things I feel like um, I've learned through organizing. And, um, you know, it's no secret. Being a leftist is depressing. <laughs> it's very, very depressing. But I'd rather be a depressed leftist than be a complacent liberal. Yeah. Because there's, there's no other, like, because it's like you can't possibly, I couldn't live with myself in my own skin. Uh, like, with this consciousness and turn a blind eye to it for my own comfort, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's definitely something that I, I get frustrated with people with, especially people that are just kind of posting like leftist memes. And it's like, that doesn't make you a leftist. Like, because you understand it doesn't make you a leftist. What makes you a leftist is, is doing something. And even if it's like something small, even if it's something small every day, like you can do something. Um, And I think that a lot of people, it's very easy to kind of roll over and say, I'm tired, because that's 
that's what our, our, our capitalist system has taught you to do, you know? Um, yeah. It's easy to say, I'm tired, I'm too depressed, I'm sad, um, I, I'm, I'm hurting. And it's, it, it sounds bad, it sounds ableist that when I say that, and when I say that, I mean um, finding things within your means. Right. Well, and I like, and that's that a key thing about that too is that like there's not just one way to do it. Exactly. Uh, there's a many ways that don't require boot being boots on the ground, like out in the streets all the time. Like there's still plenty of ways to fight a revolution just from the safety of your house using the internet and even if it's just like yeah you know throwing some money to an organization's way that has the means to be out there like yeah that's a big part of it and uh, and that's that i think that's that helps a lot of the revolutionary optimism is that there are so many different ways that people can help um you know there's not one way to do it because we're also not fighting one fight <laughs> Yeah. We're fighting a we're fighting a uh an onslaught of fights so. yeah exactly but you know despite being a depressed leftist um i think it's probably the happiest that i've ever been in my life so yeah same, same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's clarity you know like it's it's clarity um so that said um yeah like Obviously, you know, organizing and studying like Marxism and socialism and shit, like you learned a lot about the world and the way the world works. But what do you feel like organizing in the last year has taught you about yourself? I, you know, I, I think organizing has really pushed me harder than, um, than I, I, I thought. Um, I, I feel like I've changed, I've changed a lot. Um, I've grown a lot. I've learned a lot more patience. Um, I learned that, you know, I feel like that I'm stronger than I even thought I was. Um, and I, you know, it's always an, it's always an uphill battle. I think one of the, the hardest things that I'm kind of only now starting to realize is that, um, you know, I do need to take breaks. <laughs> mm -hmm. I am only human. Um, I, I harbor a lot of, of um, I need to be doing something all the time, mm -hmm. every day. Um, and that's, that's not always how you can win a revolution. Um, <laughs> yeah. We can't, I know people have done it in the past, but it's not necessarily just becoming for our health to not take days off. Um, yeah. I agree with you. Um, you got to play your RPGs, you know? Exactly. Exactly. That's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm really glad that I'm getting back into this because it's like, why am I doing this? It's so that we can do this. And so that, you know, when we're out of game, we can enjoy life more essentially. Um, yeah. 
Um, I know like, you know, personally, one of the things that I, I struggle with a lot, I kind of already said this, um, but uh, I, I constantly feel like I'm not doing enough. <laughs> yeah. I, the imposter syndrome is real. I get it so much too. Times two, you know, being, being an artist and do, doing organizing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's letting the system win when, you know, we, it, it's really easy to succumb to that and like being, but self-care and self-love and, you know, taking time to still like invest in your comforts and your hobbies. I mean, that is still, that is revolutionary in of itself. Um, and, uh, um, I, I've been trying to embrace that a lot too, you know, not get mad at myself for the things I can't do or don't have time for, um, or don't know. I guess my last question for you, Hayden, is, uh, what are, uh, what are some goals you have, uh, for, you know, the months to come? Oh, let's see. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, I can help expand MATU even more. Mm -hmm. um, help be a, a better organizer within that. Um, I'm hoping to be a better organizer within PSL, hopefully take up some leadership positions in there. Mm -hmm. um, I hope to continue assisting with uh, TPR um more so just being a boot on um, boots on the ground for them whether they need a marshal or security or whatever um like to just today i was able to get out a hundred flyers uh around my apartment complex so um and i guess within uh <laughs> and that's that's just organizing um i'm hoping to do more comics, do more illustrations, have something else, you know, have some new uh, art to sell. Mm -hmm. um, if, if COVID isn't raging, if, if it gets under control, hopefully get back into um, vending at events. Yeah. Yeah. I look forward to events to uplift local creatives again, very, very soon. Um, hopefully soon, but on the other side of this, like what Mid Coast is doing, for example, like, yeah, yeah. they're doing cool stuff. Um, oh, oh, what are you gonna say? Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, I'm, I'm really hoping that Mid Coast, um, if that we can do a kind of collaboration, like art show slash, um, you know, concert or, you know, live show, whatever. At the Multimedia, same you know, exactly. Multi that's exactly. what we need. That's what we so, need. Yeah. Well, those are all great goals, um, powerful goals, radical goals. Um, but, you know, I think you're doing a hell of a lot of great work. Um, happy to call you comrade and um, glad you asked me to be here. Um, <laughs> also, really quick before I forget, um, if folks want to get involved with NMATU, I know you all need more help. Um, what's how can folks get involved? Um, go to matunion.org. Um, there is a sign-up form if you go to contact and just say that you're looking to get involved with us. Um, or if you need help with the landlord, 
um, that's you can go to the same website, uh, go to contact or matunion.org/contact, um, and you can get in touch with us, and we can help you through that. Right on. Good shit. Um, so on our way out, Hayden, as we close out, I ask everyone the same two questions. The first one is, Hayden, what keeps you up at night? Everything. So I had a feeling you were going to say something along the lines of that. <laughs> Either that or capitalism, so. Right, and sadly, capitalism is unfortunately involved with everything right now. Um, hopefully it won't be for long, for much longer. Uh, the oh, second, <laughs> second question is, uh, what, what puts you to sleep? Do you want a, a rated everyone answer or a rated R answer? <laughs> How about both? Give me both of them. All right. What puts me to sleep? Uh, the box of sex toys under my bed. <laughs> hey, those are... That's uh, that's powerful, you know. Uh, <laughs> part of that self love, you know, you gotta you gotta take, you gotta satisfy yourself. Yeah. Um, what's the rated E answer? <laughs> the rated E answer. Uh, um, well, you have cats, like I'm sure they help. Yeah, it's uh, getting having a pile of cats on me, purring in my ear. Uh, that's yeah. <laughs> I I I wish I had that. I'm trying to get a cat soon, but. Thanks, Aiden, for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, for everyone watching, um, uh, yeah, I'll be tagging the link to Hayden's uh, website, Hayden Illustrations. And uh, I will also be tagging the link to the PSL, to MATU, to TPR. Get involved, get in touch. We're here to help. Uh, thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. As always, we'll see you next time. Yeah.